I don't know about you, but most people, including myself, typically get into sales by accident. And the guest I have today actually got into sales by being a janitor at a call center and seeing other people make a lot of money and a great living around him. And today I have Brandon Bornichen. He's the CEO and founder of Seamless AI on the podcast. Before we get into that, my name is Jason Bay. Thanks for checking out Outbound Squad. This podcast is to help sales reps turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an account executive or any other full cycle sales rep and you're doing prospecting, selling, closing deals, or maybe you're a sales development rep who's doing prospecting and setting up meetings and sending cold emails and all that sort of stuff, you're definitely in the right place. So today, what we're going to get into is a couple different things. Uh, one, just going to pick Brandon's brain just on his journey and everything that he did to go from janitor to millionaire and sort of all of the steps in between. Uh, he's really big on self-improvement, which I don't talk about a ton on this podcast. And it's something I've been really into over my career. And I probably should talk about it a little bit more, but we get into that. And then of course we get into cold calling. So how to prepare for call blocks, how to create more repeatability, how you should segment messaging, you know, how to make deposits, talk about the pain points you solve, all of that kind of stuff. So Really excited for you to check this out. And before we get to the episode, make sure if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, give the show a quick rating and review. It really helps to get more eyes and ears on the show so that more people like you can find it. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. So in doing some research on you, one of the things that we have in common is, you know, I sort of came up in call centers, you know, and you started, I think your first sales job was what, at 17 in a call center? What what kind of call center were you working in? Yeah. So, so a lot of my successes my whole life have been because of outbound and the majority of my failures has been because of inbound. My buddy, Mac, who's an asshole, like I, I grew up in a tough family financially and uh, I knew I had to get a job. So in in high school, my buddy Mac, who was uh, got a great job with like the highest hourly rate as a janitor, referred me. And this is why you can't live off of referrals, by the way, people out there tuning in. He referred me to this janitor job. So for for two years of high school, that was my first job. A janitor it was terrible. Six dollars and twenty five an hour, scraping gum off of desks with razor blades and soaked in bleach and windshield bullshit for, for two years. And that's when I saw like how you're exchanging hard work, labor and a bad situation for money. Like there's gotta be a better way. And I searched, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And, and the biggest newspaper there is the plane dealer. So I literally opened up the plane dealer because like internet was still kind of new. Uh, and there was an ad in the classifieds for call center, unlimited commissions, make 25 to $50 an hour. So I, I bolted from the janitor job and that was when I was introduced to outbound selling. You know, it was like 50 to hundred people in the call center. Half the call center was filled with smoke because they had a smoke room. So you've just oh, no. got like half these call center people, like literally on the phone all the time and they're chiefing cigarettes nonstop. And, and like, don't make yeah. like 10 calls, you know? So, so our office, we've got a ping pong table, pool table and all that jazz. So like you'll see people make like 25, 50, hundred calls and they'll play a game of ping pong. 
these guys were literally like 10 calls, cigarettes, 10 calls, cigarettes, you name it. It was pretty funny, but yeah, the call center was my first upbringing in sales. And it was like, it was crazy. Cause I wasn't selling a product. It was literally yeah. cold calling people, asking them to donate to these nonprofit organizations, like the firefighters association of nine, nine, one, the, uh, police officers of North Olmstead, you name it. And yeah. every cold call was actually a different organization. So the script would change. The, the region I was calling would change. And then you just read it, gave a great pitch, asked for the donation. What was really cool. Uh, this is when I realized like you could use outbound and, and, and selling to not exchange time for money. It was like every hundred dollars you raised, you got an extra 50 cents in commission to your hourly rate. So the goal was to go from $7 and 50 cents an hour to 25, wow. 50, hundred bucks and get as many donations as possible. And uh, that was yeah. when I met my first millionaire there too, Jerry from Jersey. He actually ran the call center. Uh, she was super rich, had a Mercedes convertible. And I was like, dude, one day I want to become a millionaire like Jerry and get a Mercedes convertible and yada, yada, yada. And that was the start of me going all in in sales. So I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of, cause I'm thinking when I was 17, <laughs> you know, were, did you have parents that were in business in sales? Like what got you interested in wanting to get into sales at that age? Because I, all I was thinking about was where I was going to go to college and what I was going to major in and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, Jason, I'm going to share with you a secret that no other podcast or video has out there. You ready for it? Sure. So, so I learned what well, well, my mom and dad, no college degrees. They worked four jobs. My mom worked in a grocery store and a bank. And then my dad worked in construction software. And then he sold computers at May company, Macy's computers. Well, eventually he gets a job meeting a sales executive from one of the first software companies called CA Technologies. When, and, and that's when I, I like heard about sales because my dad was in sales. But what I don't share on any podcast anywhere, and I'm just like, you know what? I got to start just speaking my truth. My dad was always stressed out of his mind. And it almost felt like he hated sales because he was always worried about missing his number, missing his quota, getting fired. I think 50% of that was because he didn't have a college degree. And I think, you know, because he was always feeling like all these other salespeople that got hired by CA Technologies, which was the first software company to reach a billion dollars in sales um, at the time, like you've got some high-end sales professionals getting hired at these kind of first-time SaaS companies. And yeah. he was always paranoid about that. But then I don't think he really understood the power of like outbound predictable, repeatable, scalable sales systems, sales processes. And he was always stressed because like, I don't know, I've been in yeah. sales since I was 18 and I wake up every day not stressed because I know how to use outbound to hit any number that you give me. You just break it down. Like you break down the lists, the scripts, the leads, uh, the calls, the emails, social touches, the pitches, the appointments, the sales, the revenue, the TAM, all of it, right? Uh, so that's when I was introduced to sales, but it was weird because I got into sales, even though I knew that my dad hated sales, which was crazy. Uh, and what really sold me was the call center. I'm like, these guys are literally asking donations 
And there's a few of them who are making over six figures in sales. The the guy who runs it, Jerry, is making over a million. And uh, I was like, I gotta just, I gotta become financially free. the the whole The whole notion of it was like, I came from a super poor family, got made fun of for garage sale clothes, ate out of canned yeah. foods, and like got made fun of in grade school because of how poor I was. I even had a girlfriend break up to me, break up on me because her family was super wealthy. Um, Kate out of Avon, Ohio. Uh, you know, so at the time I'm like, my, my video guys like, don't drop names. Uh, so, so like I had this thing of like these really terrible situations of getting destroyed in grade school for being broke girlfriend breaking up with me because her family was super wealthy so that kind of destroyed me. I have to go from broke to financially free. What is the fastest way to get there? And I believed it was sales or entrepreneurship. Was there any part of you, I appreciate you sharing all of that, by the way. Was there any part of you that wanted to, like with your dad, prove that I could do it better than you or I could do this in a different way? Was there any kind of that kind of stuff. And I ask because I have felt some of that with my dad where there's almost this like competitive, weird kind of thing. Even I wasn't trying mm. to beat him necessarily, but he was very, you know, sort of anti-sales, my dad, you know, and I want to prove that, Hey, I can, I can do this and not be like really sleazy at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Was, and there any was, of that was he in sales or was he in a different profession? No. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. He, cool. Uh, so at least, at least you had a dad who wasn't in sales and and didn't want you to go in it. I wish that upon ever like no one, by the way, and uh, probably so do you, right? Like sales is the number one profession in the world. There's 2,700 billionaires out there, people tuning in. They, all of them are salespeople. All of them have sold their products, their ideas, their strategies, their secrets, their solutions to someone, whether it be customers, investors, employees. You've got. Out of 2,700 billionaires, they're all salespeople. There's 56.8 million millionaires in the entire world. They're all salespeople. Like, it 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 just drives me crazy that the school system does it teaches you. You got like when I was in college or well when I was in high school, Brandon, you got to become a doctor to be rich. Brandon, you have to yep. become a a lawyer to be rich. And it's so funny because my wife, who's the COO of our company, her and all of her friends went to law school. And they graduated and they didn't make shit. And I'm just yeah. like, it blows my mind. The, the education system is such a disaster. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm writing one of my books on how to get into tech sales because I just want to educate everyone that sales is the best profession in the world to go from broke to financially free. And when it comes to like competing with my dad, it's really weird. No, I think it was, um, I was always anxious because of my dad. Like okay. he was always in a constant state of fear about getting fired and missing his number. And like, he was really good, you know, like 10 presidents clubs in a, in a row at CA technologies became the SVP, led all their acquisitions their mergers was on his, the CEO's private jet and flying everywhere, buying companies, selling companies, you name it. But he was always stressed. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was about, I think it was the chip on the shoulder that I wanted to prove the people that made fun of me, the teachers who told me I wouldn't be successful, 
And also this just innate belief that there has to be a better way of life to achieve financial freedom. And I will do whatever it takes to get there. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's really where it started. So the chip on the shoulder is interesting because, uh, I relate with you a lot in that regard. I still have that, you know, cause there's been, <laughs> I won't mention the specific companies names, but you know, my platform has grown quite a bit over the last like year, really. And- I love it. By the way, I follow all of the, anyone tuned in, just make sure you, you sign up for his cold call training, get the podcast, get, follow the news feeds for, for Jason. Some of his shit is the best fire. Keep going. Oh, I appreciate that so much, man. I, uh, I remember speaking to companies just about setting up a partnership where I could refer them work and get, you know, a commission or whatever. And they would say stuff like, you're not a so-and-so insert other sales trainers. Right. It's like a big company that does like video prospecting. There's like two big ones, right? It's like this company is like multiple companies like that. And I've always used that as motivation. I'm like, thank you for that. Like I needed something to fire me up. You know what I mean? In this regard, do you still, have a chip on your shoulder? Is that still a source of motivation for you about anything? No, no. So the motivate, like, I love that for you, right? And everyone needs to find motivation from, from different areas. That motivation disappeared when I like launched my first company at 18 for the online gambling and gaming industry that did 12 million in sales. Like it was like, once I did that, it wasn't about, other people anymore. Like I went from like, Oh my gosh, I, I believe one day if I work hard and I never give up and I do whatever it takes and I, I just go all out in sales and entrepreneurship, I will be successful. Well, then when, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, a freshman in college, like I hit that success to where this, one of the secrets that I talk about in, in my best-selling book, sales secrets is like, you're only in competition with yourself. And that I had that transformation where I'm always competing against myself. And I learned that lesson from my mom. My mom got early Alzheimer's when I was 21 and she passed away from early Alzheimer's. And, uh, I just realized like life is short, go all, go all out for your goals and dreams. You know, some people will say, Oh, Brandon, that's hustle culture. Oh, Brandon, uh, you know, you believe that working 70, 80, 90 hours a week, blah, blah, blah is required for success. It's like, I don't, I love what I do. I work hard and I'm trying to beat myself every day. So for me, it's going all out every day to become the best that I can be. There are no days off. Like when you're trying to go from broke to financially free in sales or entrepreneurship, there are no days off. It's like, Go all out to achieve your success, whether it's spending 10 minutes a day or uh, an hour, eight hours, 20 hours, whatever it is, you're in competition with yourself. Keep getting better every day. And if you do that, I, you know, I call it the 1% rule. If you improve 1% a day, every day for a year, it's 37X. If you make 100K a year and you improve 1% a day, by the end of the year, you're at $3.7 million. And, uh, you know, so I think that philosophy of trying to be who you were the day before drives me now and has driven me for about a, I don't know, a decade, decade and a half. Yeah. I love that. Just moving from external to internal, you know, I'm still on that, on that part of the, 
part of the journey, you know, um, for you, you sort of alluded to this. Cause I think from an outside perspective, when people see the videos, it's like, they see this dude that's just super fucking pumped up all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious, what do you do when you feel stressed out or when you're feeling anxious or how do you maybe prevent yourself from, from feeling in those ways? Cause I'm sure you're human. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Like <laughs> yeah. Like, like for the audience tuning in, I feel like I'm eating just the, like, I feel like I'm going through a shit storm every day, every day. Like the amount of stuff that's coming at me from the team, customers, like anyone out there, right? Like investors, whatever it is, like you're going through a lot of challenges, a lot of problems when you're trying to hyperscale a company, a, a SaaS company. And, you know, like going from 50 to 500 employees and, you know, we, we, we hit over a billion dollar valuation recently. And, and like, I'm, I've got a lot of challenges and problems and stress every day. But the way that I stay grounded is when I wake up and, and when I go to bed, I write down my goals every day. And I just, I also just like, I'm maniacal about the data. I'm obsessed with the data. Like, what are my metrics for me? the business, my team, uh, what are the metrics for my professional life, my personal life, my health and my wealth? I've got this four page journal per day lays out like your professional life, your goals, your KPIs, what you're trying to improve your personal life. This is like relationships, sleep, gratitude, positivity, health. You know, what are you eating? Like literally broken down to the protein, carbs, fats. Uh, how how often are you working out? What are your steps? What's your cardio? What's your weight? You know, uh, like I try to measure every single thing in all aspects of my life. And by using the power of goal setting, gratitude, positivity, coachability, hard work, doing whatever it takes, and just telling myself, like, look. Whether like it's all about laying bricks to success, to build your empire to success. And today the goal is to just add one more brick, take one more step forward. And then what's going to happen is like, oh, that one step leads to two steps. That two steps leads to five steps. So I went from reading like a book a year to reading a book a day now. And when I started, I was like, man, if I, if I can learn more uh, information and knowledge faster than I've ever learned before in the past, I feel like I will be able to achieve my goals and dreams even faster because then I'll have the answers from all these experts who have the knowledge that I need to get to where I want to go. So I hired all these speed readers, the Guinness Book of World Records speed reading coach. And he coached me and I went from like a few books a year to a few books a month to a few books a week to book a day. Yeah. And, and like the hardest part of getting started is literally just like sitting down and 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 opening up a book. And then like, once you do that and you start reading, okay, I'm going to read two pages or five pages. Okay. The next day you'll read 10 pages. The next day you'll read 11 pages. It's just like cold calling, right? Like, you know, I know a lot of your, your people tuning in prospecting. I made tens of thousands of cold calls before I have a, now I've got 300 salespeople. But before that, I was the only salesperson making thousands of sales calls. I would do 250 to 500 dials a day prospecting. I'd build the list with Seamless. Then I would cold call 250 to 500 people a day, 15 hours a day. And then I hired Mike Hopkins, who's our chief revenue officer. This guy, shout out Mikey. 
He comes on board, $25 in commission, no salary. I, we had no money and was a salary only commissioned SDR. Now he's one of the highest guys that paid at the company. He's got a big equity in the company. That goes to show you people, like everyone will tell you don't work for free, but if you like, you want to achieve massive greatness, like putting skin in the game and investing, you, you can get paid big amounts of money. Um, but like, just like with prospecting, you don't want to do it, but if you just get started and you commit to it every day, you'll improve. And eventually I believe like success begets success. Once you start achieving these little wins, they just keep adding up to big wins and you're, yeah, and then you become unstoppable. What are one or two kind of areas of your life you feel like you in optimizing these things that's helped you with business things. So non-related business things that you focus on, like your health, for example, that have really had the biggest gains for you in business. What are, what are some of those things for you? Yeah. I, I, and, and I believe business and personal life is the same, which is a weird, like, you know, I, I even brought my wife into the business, you know, like, like my goal, I, I believe the biggest life hack, the biggest sales hack, life hack, success hack is to merge what you love to do with work and making money. And then how do you do it with the people that you love, the people that you care about? So that like the people that I hire at Seamless are people that we've got a rule. If we would spend time with you in a lake house over a weekend, we'll hire you. If I literally interview you and I couldn't stand hanging out with you for an hour, let alone a weekend in a lake house, we won't hire you because like, I want to bring in a tribe of people that we work with to change the world of sales forever. And, um, you know, so, so it's all about like the things, sorry, to answer your question, like the things that I use to maximize my personal success and business success. I believe there's four pillars to life, professional, personal wealth, and health. And it's why I've got this journal. We use this journal at seamless. We're going to probably publish it to the world, kind of like my books. Like I originally wrote the books for us and then we just published them to everyone out there. This journal, it's every day for 30 days, you've got four pages. You've got your professional goals, KPIs. Um, you've got your personal goals, KPIs, your wealth and your health. Like if you're great at sales, but you're going bankrupt, eventually that domino will fall and it will knock over your health and it will knock over your professional success. Then it will, it will destroy your relationships and your personal success. So I believe this empire that I want you to build, this empire of financial freedom in sales and in entrepreneurship, you've got those four pillars, professional success, personal success, health success, and uh, wealth success. My goal is to, to, to maximize all four pillars so that no one domino pillar goes down and takes out the whole house, takes out the whole empire. I believe empires are destroyed from within. That could be your people. That could be your mindset. That could be your, your network. That could be what you watch, what you tune into. Probably the biggest thing that, that I've done, like some of the secrets, habits uh, that I talk about in whatever it takes, like massive goals. Uh, I remove negative, toxic people from my life as fast as possible. Um, yeah. I don't care who they are. If you're a family member, gone. Friend, gone. Like- I, because because my my life and my goals are so big and so servant led, 
Like I'm trying to positively impact billions of people and I'm not going to let someone or something hold us back from achieving that. So that's a big one. And then um, the, the, la- the third one, which is had the greatest impact is I remember when I first started out the call center, it was all about my commissions. Like I'm, I need commissions. I'm selling for me. And then when I started selling for other people, like being of service and a servant leader to other people, I started making more money than I ever have. You know, and I, I believe it's the whole deposits versus withdrawals. When I started making as many deposits as, as possible to people and companies and customers and prospects, regardless if it comes back, you know, then, um, then we win. Like I purposely self-published my books because I knew that we'd be able to get it out to help people faster than going with Wiley or another publisher. Um, all of the VCs were like, don't do a freemium product with seamless.ai. Like you're stupid, sell it from the get go. And I'm like, no, I want anyone to be able to use seamless to connect opportunity, to connect with other people. And I went against what the investors wanted. It's like making these deposits in people to help them achieve their success, doing these podcasts. Yeah, you know, like investors will be like, Brandon, why are you spending time on the podcast? Why are you spending time on the courses? Why are you spending time on the books? It's like, I'm just going to go share everything I know with other people to help them learn from my mistakes, my failures, my successes, and the things that I picked up along the way to help them. And I think over time, if I keep trying to help people, regardless of an ask or a call to action, over time, it will come back around. That's been the biggest, when you become a, a, a servant leader and you become of service to other people, this is why I sold all my cars. I sold the Lamborghinis, the Ferrari, whatever. Cause like I was a servant leader. Then I was like, Oh, I want these material things. I got the material things and the material things, the, the two Lamborghinis, the Ferrari, the properties, they didn't make me happy. The only thing that really yeah. gave me ultimate happiness was serving other people. So I recently just got rid of all that shit. I still have the house in Florida, which I love. Um, but you know, it was just interesting. Like, you're like, oh man, I need these houses and these cars and then I'll be happy. And then when you have those things, you're like, this shit doesn't make me happy. It doesn't matter. Like we work remote. Where are you driving to? Like, I realized I wasn't even driving anywhere. I have a driver. Like, I don't need all this stupid shit. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I love that you have four pillars and one of them is the professional pillar, you know, and you separate professional from wealth because I think one of the biggest opportunities for sales reps right now is, and I was so bad with my money in my twenties, but Mm. there are so many reps that don't have a six, 12 month runway that just gives them a little bit of freedom to quit a shitty job if they have it and go look for another one. Um, They're having to make short term decisions to make cash right now. I don't know what kind of commentary you have on that or what advice you have, but this is a really big, I think, missed opportunity for really reps that are making really good money. I see people making three, four, five hundred thousand plus as enterprise AEs, and they have their house poor. Right, like house poor. Have, like, this was my dad, by the way. My dad was house poor because, like, another big secret to success that I hope a lot of the the salespeople realize, and this is why I don't give a shit about what anyone thinks. Thank God. Um, you know, my dad lived a life 
Because when you, when you come from a, a poor family, like a, a, a family that struggles financially, and then you finally start making money, my father was always big on impressing everyone, making sure everyone knew he was super successful with his houses and his cars and with all the bullshit. Well, he lived house poor. Like, like if he lost his job for, for a month, dude, you could get rid of the houses, you get rid of the cars, whatever. Um, so I think at a young age, like I knew every three to five years, he would go through a job transition and then we would barely be able to make ends meet. Like when he finally came up and made it good news was when he finally came up and made it, I made it on my own. So it was like, ah, like I wish that happened a lot younger, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it taught me to work, work my ass off. The thing that I learned from him though, is, is like, when it comes to money, don't worry about impressing anyone. Like no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit what you drive. No one cares what you live in. And, uh, there are a few hacks. Like that's one secret. Another secret guys, the government takes 40 to 50% of your income. So I highly recommend, this is like one of the things that I stumbled upon right after the call center when I was doing the online gaming, like throw as much money into your four, like tax deferred investment vehicles. Cause like if, if I pay you a dollar, you're going to lose 40 cents on the dollar. But if you throw it in the 401k or the uh, HRSA or whatever, Roth IRA, you immediately actually get to capture all 100% of a dollar. You don't lose 40 cents on the dollar. You know, if you make a hundred grand in commissions and you're getting paid out, the government's going to take 40 grand of the hundred grand. But if you have the majority of it going into these investment vehicles, now you're leveraging tax efficiency. What's cool too, guys, no one teaches you this shit, by the way. So one of the things here at Seamless is I've got three HR teams. I've got a recruiting HR team. I've got an HR ops and legal team. And then I literally have, I built a customer success employee retention team where, where the I, employee success, I call it care, you know, so care and the team, their whole job is to maximize employee success, lifetime value, and the goals that are attained by our employees. Like, what are your goals? How do we help you achieve them? And a big part of that is learning about these wealth secrets and then us constantly reinforcing them, like put as much away in your in investment vehicles so, so that you maximize tax efficiencies. Uh, by the way, compounding interest. Like a lot of people don't teach you about compounding interest. Dude, seven to 10% a year, that shit doubles every seven years. You have $100,000 in the bank. In seven years, it turns into 200,000. Okay, well, guess what? The 200,000 compounds faster at seven to 10% which then goes to the next level even faster. So now you go from $200,000 to $400,000 in six years. Okay, well, then you've got $400,000 over a year at 7 to 10%. That goes to $800,000 in five years. It, like, so you just see it doubling and doubling and doubling. Like the fastest way to become a millionaire, you don't need to make a million dollars. It's like, if you make 100, 200, 300, $500 and you invest it, with the right vehicles. And I recommend getting a wealth management group and helping you do this. Um, that's a big one, compounding interest. And then lastly, my biggest return was investing in myself. I, yeah. I, I believe salespeople, sales reps need to own their self-development. 
Like if you think that the return on investment for investing in the stock market is 7%, right? 7 to 10% on average. And right now, by the way, we're in a, a crash. So you're probably losing 7 to 10 to 12%. So um, literally you, the return that you can get investing in yourself is insane. Like if it's 7 to 10% on the stock market, investing in yourself, like reading the sales books, the sales courses, the sales training, and investing in self-development, I every year I've poured the majority of my income into buying the sales tech that I've needed, getting the sales leads I needed, and getting the training that I needed. And every year I like doubled my income, you know, from 50K to 100K, 100K to 200K, 200K to 500K, 500K to a million, million to, you know, now I've got a net worth of over 100 million. Like- it's like, okay, the way that I'll get to a billion is, is by serving other people, investing all my money into personal development, professional development. I, I just continuously go all in on growth. And I think people, if they could do that, you know, you, you'll, you'll be able to accomplish anything. I love that advice. It's uh, <laughs> what I've been saying to salespeople lately is, you know, cause people always talk about working for the government so you can retire in 20 years. Like if you oh, wow. crush it in sales, for 10, 15, 20 years, you can hit your fire goal or whatever goal you have to just live off that. You can easily hit that. So if you started as an SDR at 22, 23, you could easily retire in your mid forties if you're spending oh, yeah. your money. Easily. Like, easily, easily. And, and super comfortable, you know, and then do whatever you want or, or continue going or whatever. But um, I love that advice. Um, I want to shift gears a bit because you talk a lot about cold calling seamless is, you know, this platform, that you know, phone numbers, right. It's, it's something I know that internally the culture is very a phone phone heavy culture. Um, when do you feel like at what point in your career do you feel like you achieved mastery on the phones? Like when did that happen for you? Mm, mastery on the phone. So, so honestly, like if like my gut reaction to that question is like, you know, I'm not a master at anything. I'm always, I always feel like there's something new. I can, I'm obsessed with learning something new. This is another secret too. always be humble. And if you're obsessed with improving 1% a day, any person that says anything anywhere about any topic, you will try to learn from. So I, I coach our people at Seamless, like don't ever put someone down or don't ever like be negative or toxic about another person. Because there's always something that you can learn. There's experiences that Jason has had, successes or failures that I can learn from to increase my ability to serve our customers, our users, our uh, tribe, our followers, to accomplish my goals and dreams. Like, what are those things? Search for those things. It always blows my mind, these people like on LinkedIn that will talk shit about other people. And you're just like, yeah. dude, you totally missed the mark here. If you actually just try to listen to this thing that Jason's posting or saying, or what Brandon's posting and saying, and you really try to understand it and execute it and try it and test it, it could change your life forever for the better. So for me, sales mastery, I've never mastered cold calling. Like when did I get better at it? And I mean, like, okay, maybe I have mastered cold calling. Here's, here's, but, a, question. But here's a different way to ask the question. Here's a, I'll rephrase the question a bit differently. At what point did you feel like you were good enough to where you could pick up the phone and call for another company selling something call different? Call for anyone. Yeah, and just like pick up the phone and be able to have that kind of like in the moment. Yeah, like right now, you give me any product and yeah. I'll use what I'll build a list. I could call anyone and sell them right now. Um, yeah. When did I feel that way? So 
gosh, I would probably say my second year selling for IBM Interactive, like doing over 40 or 50 million in sales. Like these are big enterprise deals. I'm a kid. Like I'm like 24 pitching CMOs and VPs of digital marketing for fortune 500 companies. Uh, you know, I did a deal with Xbox, with Google, with Victoria's Secrets, with Express, like to take over all their social media, take over their website design, like to manage all of their digital marketing. And these companies have built digital marketing teams that have cost tens of millions of dollars to do, you know? So when I was able to crack deal after deal, like month after month in these like seven and eight figure deals, my confidence skyrocketed. Um, and it was because I, I figured out, okay, how can I automate list building? And I built my prototype seamless AI that automated the list building. And then there was also, so that was a key. It was like, okay, 40 to 50% of my time was wasted on list building. Boom. Solved that. Then the next thing was like, when I felt like Keanu Reeves in the matrix, I remember this time exactly. I was pitching all these different VPs of digital marketing and CMOs. I just kept hearing the same shit. Every time that they would give me an objection, I would like spend hours or hours trying to figure out what to say and how to overcome it. And then out of nowhere, it just hit me like, dude, this is the same stuff. I'm not interested. No budget. It's too expensive. Already working with someone. Send me more information. Call me back later. I'm not the right person. Talk to my boss. Now's not a good time. We have no budget. Unsubscribe. Tell me more. What's the pricing? Like, I know everything that you're going to say on any call possible. And once I realized all of those things, and then I had the list and the scripts to address all of those different plays, like Tom Brady, when he plays in a football game, he feels like he's, he probably is like Keanu Reeves in the matrix, sees the shit before it even happens, throws the touchdown, wins the Super Bowl. That happened to me when I realized what the defense was playing. Every time, like as a salesperson, you're playing offense. You have a product that could change someone's life forever for the better. You need to score a touchdown. The way to score a touchdown is to show them where they at today, their biggest pains, problems, and challenges. Point A to point B, their biggest goals, dreams, and desires. Your product helps them go from point A to point B. Let's call it the rocket ship to go from point A to point B or the ladder or the bridge, whatever you want to call it. Well, for me to score the touchdown with the prospect, I need to overcome all their sales objections or limiting beliefs, address them, overcome them, and get them to see that this thing could take them from point A to point B, their biggest pains, their biggest goals, dreams, and desires. And when I do that, I score the touchdown. Well, the only way to do that, I'm not interested, no budget, it's too expensive, already working with someone, unsubscribe, call me back later, I'm not the right person, talk to my boss, talk to my friend, I need to think about it, I need to trial it, what's the price? When I mastered hundred, like I became obsessed, like a, like a, a crazy person. I became obsessed with script writing and lists and wrote hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scripts for every single, every single play. I'll call, call it a play, a sales objection, a situation, a, a Q and a, and I just wanted to make sure I had a dozen different ways like Tom Brady to, to overcome anything that was thrown my way to address anything that was thrown my way. So that I could get this product. I believed I had a product that could change people's lives forever for the better. 
But if I didn't know how to effectively communicate, address their concerns, overcome their concerns and get them on the product, then they lose and all the people that they could serve lose and I lose and my company and my employees and my family loses. So I just became like obsessed with list building and scripts. And then, and then after that, you become obsessed with training because like yeah. once you have the list and scripts, it's used the data in sales as an SDR or an AE. Like, by the way, if SDRs and AEs tuning in, if you're waiting for your boss to give you your data, you're losing. You have to own your data, your metrics. Like, what's your performance? What's your data? You should be more excited than your boss, than your manager, than your leader to own your data. Like, I don't wait for my investors to tell me what my data is. Like, I own every, I know every data point about my health, my wealth, my professional career, my personal career. And because, why is that important? Because what gets measured gets improved. If I see a data point, let's just call my 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 booked to hold rate is dropping. It's like, okay, well, shit. Why? Now you can diagnose why it's going down. Um, did I effectively lock in the value proposition that the prospect's going to get with joining this meeting? Did I communicate the agenda? Did I cover what's in it for me as the prospect? Um, did I send the calendar invite right away? Did I have a nice follow-up? After they accepted, did I have a nice follow-up when they're supposed to show up with an easy agenda, an easy link to click? Like when I was jumping on Jason's thing, got a reminder, Albert Forehand, hey, Brandon, you're going to be on Jason's podcast. Here's the link. I'm like, fuck, awesome. I hate, I literally hate clicking my calendar to go view my calendar. So I, I, I saw the reminder for Jason, clicked the link, boom, up and running, didn't have to think about anything. So like all of these, like you could, when you measure all the data, you could start to figure out what can you tweak? I call it A-B testing because I did digital marketing for Google and IBM forever. They would A-B test everything, like to the microcosm of a homepage. Hey, let's change the sign up button from green to red, from green to orange, from green to blue. And they would run that for two weeks. They're literally changing. And by the way, these websites get millions of visitors. They're changing one little color of a button. And then after they figure out what's the best color, they will then do, like, we'll run tests on like sign up, join for free, join now, join today, free joining, free sign up, free trial. And they would do these different A-B tests. And, and, and like, that's another big thing. Like if your data is trending down or up, what tests can you run to see if it will improve the data to accomplish the goal that you want to achieve? A lot of the things that the marketers do if you if you do it as a salesperson with your scripts, with your channels, like that's why I was always bought in on multi-channel prospecting because like in marketing, you got to leverage SEO, you got to leverage paid search, you got to leverage display ads, you got to leverage organic, you got to leverage PR. So I would sell these multi-channel digital marketing, seven, eight-figure programs and website redesigns and, and artificial intelligent personalization for IBM Interactive at Google to where in sales, I would just apply the same methodology to, I got to leverage every single sales channel. I got to test everything. I got to track all the data. I got to optimize all the data. And then that will help me and my team accomplish the goals that we're trying to achieve. What is the, how would you describe the seamless AI approach to cold calling? New SDR comes in and you got to show them how to do the seamless way. <laughs> what's the, what's yeah. the philosophy? What's the approach? So, 
I mean, the, the good news was seamless, right? Like we find everyone's emails and phone numbers, cell phones, direct dials, you name it with a click. And this is why Sergey Brin, the founder of Google and his wife invested, Guy Kawasaki, who worked next to uh, Steve Jobs, invested Amazon, DNB, like because of the instant power of being able to get anyone's emails and cell phones and insights in seconds, right? So we got lucky that one, we had the leads to everyone. And two, every B2B salesperson, marketer, recruiter, entrepreneur, shit, if you're on LinkedIn, you need this product. So I got, we got lucky in building a product with a very large TAM. Like if you're talking to, so, so I recommend like the cold calling, break it down by persona, right? Like what I'm going to say to a salesperson is going to be different than what I'm going to say to a marketer, which is going to be different than what I'm going to say to a recruiter, which is going to be different than what I'm going to say to CEO. Like CEO is going to be focused like, like if you're trying to sell me, I'm focused on top line, big revenue numbers, hundred million ARR IPO. I'm focused on bottom line expenses. How do I remove expenses? How do I automate workflow? So like if you work with, you know, that messaging, if you reach out to me and you're like, Hey, I could help you go from making 10 cold calls to 50 cold calls. That's not going to resonate with me as a CEO. But if you reach out to an SDR and you're like, Hey, you know, you're, you're able to reach out to 20 people a day and I could turn that 20 people a day into 200 people a day. And I'm going to help you go from a 2% connect rate to a 15%, 20% connect rate. Like figure out what are the pain points of the personas? And then what is the, what's in it for me, the elevator pitch, the value prop, the deposits that you can make for these personas. I always believe in like any call, you have to come making investments in people. Because again, compound, I, I love compounding interest. Like it's the most powerful thing in the world. Like the most powerful thing in the world is outbound selling. The second most powerful thing in the world is freaking <laughs> compounding interest. And uh, so if you become a master at outbound selling, you could do anything. And then if you leverage that tied to compounding interest, like I think Warren Buffett got it wrong. You know, he said compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It's like, no, outbound is the eighth wonder of the world. The ninth wonder of the world is compounding interest. And I believe yeah. like compounding interest applies to your prospects. So the more investments you make into your prospects, helping your prospects, um, serving your prospects, you name it. So like Jason, right, who's who's leading his sales coaching, training, and community for B2B reps and sales teams, like at Seamless, I would create a free sales lead list for you. I would create a competitor like, okay, he, he works with CBRE. Okay. Well then I could build a list of all the CBRE competitors. Let's just say there's 50 of them. I'm going to have that list and I'm going to have all the people, the sales leaders that he's going to sell to. And then when I reach out to uh, Jason, I, value. So like one message, okay, I'm going to drop a client competitor list. Next message, I'm going to drop uh, job changes list. Next message, I'm going to drop a speed list. A uh, next message, I'm going to talk about increase, uh, tripling to forexing his connect rates. Next message, I'm going to talk about, you know, like for me at IBM Interactive, I'd spend fifty percent to sixty percent of my time. And we bought all these outdated, expensive sales databases. My company and I, my sales team, we were spending millions of dollars and all the DNB leads, the Zoom leads, you name it. And it was missing 90%, 80% of the people that I needed to sell to. And then uh, the 20% that it had, half of them or more were switched jobs or wrong emails, wrong phone numbers. 
So like I felt the pain of four to five hours a day on this building. I felt the pain of only being able to make 25 calls, 30 calls, 40 calls a day because most of my time was spent on this building. So like if I'm reaching out to an SCR and I could help you build a list of instead of 20 to 30 people a day to 200 to a thousand people a day, you know, you just figure out what are their biggest pains? How does your product solve those pains? And we, we, by the way, at Seamless have this all like pre-written for every persona, for every department of every persona. And then it's just a lot of education. You know, I know we spend, we spend probably two to three hours a day on training, you know, for all of our salespeople, you know, two to three hours a day uh, on all of our salespeople, you've got 300 salespeople times there's 265 days, sales days in a year. You know, it's probably like 250,000 hours or something crazy like that spent in training. Um, so it's a lot of like list building training. Oh, and by the way, we are hiring. We're hiring like a thousand. Like I'm trying to, you know, you, Jason, you know who I'm trying to go after. You know who I'm trying to replace. You may have had him on the podcast recently. Uh, but you know, I, I am building the category leader. I built yeah. Seamless and my team and I built Seamless because uh, we we hate outdated, expensive, shitty databases. And to do that, you got to go all out. Yeah. No, I love that. So this making investments in the deposits thing is interesting where, you know, when I cold call the, I don't have free data to give people, you know, but the thing that I'm giving you is, Hey, we work with other really cool companies in your industry. And, and I want to share with you what's working with them. You know what I mean? And having a simple, just give and a purpose for the meeting is something that you've talked about. And I was hoping you could comment a little bit more. You said value prop for the meeting and the, giving the prospect a reason for the meeting. What is the reason? Is it, hey, we'll give you a demo of Seamless so you can check it out? Is it something else? You know, what? what is the yeah. compelling reason for the prospect I, to show up to the meeting, especially the executive? What, like the, I, I learned a lot about this at first at the call center. Like when you're asking for donations, I was literally selling donations. You know how hard it is to ask people to give you money for nothing? Like that's the hardest sell ever. The hardest sell is to pick up the phone and just start calling random people, asking them for money for a police officer sticker to put on their car. Like that, like that's extremely difficult to do. So I I would have to come up with strategies around like, Hey, if you make a donation, I researched the tax code. You could use that donation and write it off in taxes. Okay. That's one way. Hey, a lot of people that get pulled over by a police officer, if on the back of their car, they've got that police sticker, a lot of them get out. Like I've gotten pulled over. And because I had my police stickers, they actually let me go because I'm a fan and an investor in the police officer stuff. So like you got to show the value there. That was when it started in, when I started to realize like what's in it for the prospect, what's the value creation. Then I really learned about it uh, selling for IBM Interactive. I, the, the, the hardest thing you could do is like being, uh, is be an ad agency because an ad agency, there's like a, a million ad agencies and how I, you know, like an IBM interactive, like it's a, it's a very large ad agency. So, but even though it's got a big name, like no one wants to work with another marketing and advertising agency. So I had to come up with ways, hooks, like 
value propositions, lead magnets to get in the door to meet with these people. So at first it was like white paper, competitor study. You just come up with anything, right? And see what what will stick to the persona's needs, wants, and desires. That stuff kind of worked, but was more a waste of time. Like didn't have high conversion rates. The way that I won the YouTube and Google account for IBM Interactive was I reached out and I said, I'm going to make, I'm going to invest $50,000 in creative marketing, social media marketing, and digital marketing audit strategy, execution plan, and ROI plan for you. And, and like I sold it before I even got my managing director to sign off on it at IBM Interactive. But I'm like, look, every customer is worth one to $50 million. So if we invest 50 grand and we do this across four to 10 companies and we get two, one even, we more than break even. If we get two, three, four, five, shit, we're making tons of money. So I pitched this audit strategy, execution plan, ROI analysis. And, and what would happen is like they would agree to, because you're going after CMOs at like the Fortune 100, like they get prospected yeah. by a million people a day. Uh, mm -hmm. And marketers never freaking answer to salespeople. It's like very difficult to get them to answer or respond to you. You like, you got to have a strong hook. So I came up with this like hook. It was anywhere from like $2,500 to $50,000. We would invest in research strategy, execution plan, ROI plan. And then we would hand it off to like, we would present it to you. And then what, what's going to happen after like, I learn about your goals and dreams and desires. Where are you at today? Where do you want to go? We would do an audit strategy, execution plan to that. Point A, biggest pains, problems, challenges. Jason, what are your biggest pains, points, or challenges? Point B, what are your goals, dreams, and desires? And then guess what? We will develop the audit, the strategy, the execution plan to go from point A to point B. Well, when we present this over a two to four hour meeting, one, I need so much data about you to even put that 100 slide presentation, strategy, research, execution plan together that you're already working with me. I'm just doing it for yeah. free. Then I present to you the strategy and the results that you could generate in the ROI if you execute the strategy. Your mind's blown. Then the next question is, is shit, can I do this on my own? Well, the majority of people don't have the team or the time to execute that whole thing that you just presented to them. So by doing this mass upfront research strategy, execution plan and ROI analysis investment, and presenting it to them. Now I got everyone involved in the meeting. Like you talk about multi-threading. It's like, I offered this deal to the CMO or VP of digital marketing. They say, sure, if it's really free, you know, go live in a van by the river. But if you're serious, I'm going to pass you to my director. Okay. Well then I meet with the director. Hey, this is what we want to do. Okay. Director's like, fine. My VP or CMO told me we'll do it. Then they bring in their whole 10 to 20 person team. They got to get us answers. We got to work with them to figure out the Q&A, the data, because you got to get all the data. Like if I was doing this at Seamless, I would need all your funnel data. I would need your, your, your lead data, your appointment data, your sales data, your quota data, all this jazz. And then when I present it, I'm presenting it to 10 to 20 people. And they're, they all love it. And then they're like, well, shit, my boss is either going to tell me we have to go execute this and I'm already exhausted. 
Or we could just hire these guys for a million bucks or 10 million bucks and have them go do it. Like yeah. the employee, no employee says, yes, I want more work and equal or less pay. So that was, that was when I finally yeah. realized like, oh shit, I may get fired because I just committed a 50 K deal uh, on us. But then I had to go sell our internal team to go do it. And then we did it and we won that big book of business. And then I used it to win Kohler. And then I, we used it to win Victoria's Secrets and Limited and Express. And uh, sh- oh, gosh, so many different Fortune 100, 500 companies. We won there to manage their global websites, to manage their digital marketing, you name it, by doing those big investments. With Seamless on a lower scale, Free lead list, strategy, execution. Uh, there's a you know there's a number of different ways that you can do it. Even just helping them reduce the time, like the speed to lead, the speed to appointment, the speed to a sale. Um, I do it now with like free courses, free books. Um, there's a number of different ways that we do it. You know, because I went from selling like a ten, a million to ten to hundred million dollar deal to selling a hundred dollar license at Seamless, which I never done before. Yeah. Like it's, I was scared shitless launching seamless because I'm like, I've never sold anything under a million bucks and, and like doing the, the hundred dollar license deal. You got to think of like smaller ways to deliver value because you got a lot of people that you have to sell yeah. to hit, to hit big numbers. Uh, but you can do it. You know, it's, it's easy. Yeah, dude. I love it. We're out of time. I got to run to a client call. I'm sure you got something coming up right now too. This has been really great. Um, where can people go to find more information out about you? Seamless. Where do you want people to go check out? You got a book coming out. It sounds like here soon. Yeah, definitely. So, so part of Jason's deal was, Hey, we promised to give a free gift to the audience. So if you join, go to seamless.ai, put in the referral code. Should we use Jason, the blissful prospecting or what, what referral code should we use? You could just use JBay. J-B-A-Y. So use J-B-A-Y in the referral code when you sign up. We're going to give everyone $500 free leads. You join for free, you get cell phones, emails, insights for anyone in the world that you need to sell to. Uh, On that, you'll get my daily newsletter. I then would love to connect on LinkedIn. Um, I drop daily sales secrets to help you maximize success. And we've got a daily podcast uh, where you can learn those secrets if you just look up sales secrets. And lastly, I'm speaking at, uh, Outbound, I'm the keynote speaker at Outbound Conference in Atlanta. Uh, if you're around, go to outboundconference.com, pick up your tickets. I'd love to meet with you, speak with you and uh, connect.